All right, if you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 2. We're continuing, really, the Red Letter series, but we're taking a different tack. We're going to call it the parables. And the reason we're uh, calling it the parables is because we're going to be looking at... Man, y'all are quick. Y'all are a lot quicker than that that 8 o'clock crowd, let me tell you something. Um, And so we're going to be looking at parables. Mark chapter 2, we have an analogy and two parables that uh, Jesus gives um, and let's just jump into, um, uh, one of the things that I would say as we look at this passage is, um, there are many times in our life where we face, uh, difficult days, uh, despairing seasons and chaotic moments. We, we have those seasons, those days and those moments in our life. That is true. But we also have a reason for celebration in the midst of it. And that celebration comes not as we uh, gain victory over our chaos, not as we control uh, our despair or uh, uh, shuffle a, some kick, uh, kick difficult days down the, down the curb to a different moment, uh, but we find, we find celebration uh, as we live in the victorious joy that Jesus gives every single day. Can I tell you, uh, and I, I, I just start out with this, um, my oldest daughter is 20 years old today. She turned 20 years old today. That's my oldest daughter. That's right. I know you're applauding me for being such a patient father. I understand that. Thank you. No, I, I mean, amazing. Um, and uh, I remember the journey of her life up to this point very vividly. And uh, it's scary. Uh, when they say time flies, they, it is true. I mean, it just it passes really quick, real quickly. Anyway, so she turned 20 today. And uh, so my wife and my four daughters uh, all packed up in the car, and they hooked them over to Lynchburg, where she goes to school. And, and uh, they're uh, celebrating Emily Catherine's birthday today. Uh, but there's a problem with that, big problem with that. I'm not with them. And that really, really, it really, 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 really makes me sad. And so, um, and Edie would say, it doesn't make you sad. That's what Edie would tell you, but, but it does. It, it, I get lonely, I get lonesome. You know how it is. Uh, maybe you don't. But if you don't, boy, I wish you did. Anyway, so, um, so I, was, I, was in the, I, I, was, I was up here this morning, and, and I'd waited as long as I could. I texted Edie about four o'clock this morning. I'm not kidding. It was four, about 4.15. So I texted her about 4.15. And uh, then I, I waited and I waited and I waited and I waited and I waited until 6.45. And I called her. And she didn't answer. So I waited and I waited and I waited until 7.20. And I called her again. And she answered. And she said, leave me alone. (laughs) Oh, she didn't say those words. She used different words. Really, when she picked up the phone, she didn't have to use any words. We've been married 20 some odd years. I knew exactly what she was thinking. And so I called her back at eight o'clock. You know, this side of heaven my relationship with Edie is the most important relationship. 
And there is nothing, nothing that gives me joy like just hearing her voice. And she picked up that phone and she said, hello. And my world was pretty okay again. If that's the way it can be, in an imperfect relationship, I'm the imperfect one in the relationship, by the way, let me make that clear. If that's the way it can be in an imperfect relationship, imagine what it should be for us in relationship with Jesus Christ, the perfect one. That if we would just hear his voice, the joy that we would find. See, as we look in Mark chapter 2, verses 18 through 22, that's really what Jesus is saying. You want to hear the big picture of this one analogy in two parables. The big picture is fellowship with Jesus delivers unfettered joy. That's the big picture. And that's the big picture we need to hear, we need to receive, we need to understand. Let's read the passage together. Um, Mark chapter 2, beginning verse 18. The disciples of John and the Pharisees were fasting, and they came and they said to Jesus, why do the disciples of John and of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples don't? And Jesus said, can the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they can't fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them. By the way, you can underline taken away from them and in the margin put C-R-O-S-S, cross. Because that's exactly what he's talking about. He's talking about him being crucified on the cross. And this is the first place in Mark's gospel where he refers to his own death. Uh, Days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them and then they will fast in those days. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment or else the new piece pulls away from the old and the tear is made worse. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins or else the new wine bursts uh, the wineskin and the wine is spilled and the wineskins are ruined. But the new wine must be put into new wineskins. All right, so what is the picture here? Well, what's Jesus talking about? Well, Jesus is approached by disciples or followers of John the Baptist and Pharisees and and uh, they're fasting. Everybody know what a fast is? Fast? Somebody tell me what a fast is. Okay, not eating, it's doing without something. Uh, for our students, a fast is maybe described as putting yourself, uh, um, grounding yourself from something. So you might ground yourself from uh, Instagram. Fat chance. You ground yourself from uh, any social media. Or you ground yourself from food. Uh, Ground yourself from anything. And that's a fast. And so here are the disciples of John the Baptist and the Pharisees, and they were fasting. And they, they were fasting regularly. In fact, they were fasting every week. Every Monday and every thir- Thursday, we know this about the Pharisees, not so much John the Baptist group, but, but we know every Monday and every Thursday, they would not eat. From sunrise to sunset, they would not eat. They were on a fast. Now, nothing wrong with that. Perfectly fine, except this part of it. 
They were promoting themselves because they fasted on Mondays and Thursdays. They were promoting themselves as something big, some big deal, some big spiritual giant. If you do this, you are a real, real spiritual person. And they were promoting themselves as somehow more spiritual than other people because they were doing this. And that led this group of people to come ask Jesus, now, why is it? It, Jesus, you're, you're, you're a respectable teacher, but your disciples, they must not be very spiritual because they're not fasting like the followers of John the Baptist or the Pharisees, you see. And so as that is the setting. Oh, another difficulty. Do you realize in the Old Testament there is only one prescribed or mandated fast in all the Old Testament? Now, the Pharisees were people of the Old Testament. John the Baptist followers, they were people of the Old Testament. But there was only one, in, script, in, in the Old Testament, there was only one day prescribed for a fast, once a year. One day, once a year. And that's for the Day of Atonement. That's where, that's where they would, the, the, the day before the Day of Atonement, they would fast from sunrise to sunset so that they might mourn and weep and be broken over their sin. Well, what happened was the Pharisees decided, well, if one is good, 20 is better, 30 is better, 50 is better. And that there's nothing wrong with fasting twice a week. Absolutely nothing wrong with that at all, except when the fast is more about show and it has no substance to it. So Jesus wants to turn this on its head and say, hey, listen, it doesn't matter if you fast. It doesn't matter if you don't fast. Let me paint you a picture of what's happening in this world today. Jesus said, here I am, I'm the bridegroom. He painted himself as the bridegroom, the one who was, um, man, come and inaugurating, bringing in the, the great kingdom of God, bringing heaven to earth. This is Jesus. The bridegroom is here. He's walking amongst you. And instead of going through this ritual, this, this showy religious stuff, you ought to be spending time with Jesus. See, the disciples of Jesus had gotten it right. They knew that the more the time they spent with Jesus, the more joy they were going to have. And Jesus painted, painted journeying with him like a party. We get this wrong. I mean, we really do. We think somehow, some way, that the most important thing you can do at church is it reminds and and there's a camera right there all right so so uh, the story is told uh, this is my own personal experience i was sitting in church one day and and i was i was turning around and i was talking now this is when i was younger i would never do this today and then i'd go and i would even turn around like this and i was talking i was having a grand time i was I, it was great it was church there were people here that i knew that actually would smile at me every now and then. And so I'm going around, I'm like, yeah, yeah, awesome, yeah, rock and roll. No, I didn't do that. But I would do all that. When all of a sudden, this cat daddy, not Rusty, but somebody like Rusty, sitting over here, got up, walked over here, and, I mean, literally took me by the shoulders and shook me like that and said, you need to calm down. This is church. And that's the way some of us feel. Don't smile. Don't laugh. Don't.
don't, don't, this is church, this is church business. nothing wrong with being reverent in church I'm all about that there's a place for that but for you to deny the place of the singing and the dancing and the celebration is a denial of what Jesus is talking about right here in this passage Jesus described Jesus described his presence among his disciples like a big wedding feast now when we think of weddings we think of a one-day deal Okay, certainly if you're going through the wedding, if you're preparing for the wedding, there's a lot of prep and a lot of planning, blah, 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 puke. But anyway, I'm sorry, I've got four of them I'm going to have to do. But, uh, you know, you've got all this stuff. And, and, and so we think of all that, but, but the day, you know, you'll have, you'll have the rehearsal that night, the rehearsal dinner, and then, uh, and, then, uh, and then the next morning or the next afternoon you get married and then then you have the reception and then it's done and 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 everybody in the wedding party goes home and that's the way it was that's the way it is for us not so in jesus day jewish people man they would they would they would throw a party and it would last for days sometimes a week sometimes even weeks when the, when the wedding happened, everybody stopped everything and they just celebrated. And there would be no fault of fasting during the wedding feast. And just it, it, incomprehensible that you would fast during the wedding celebration. So Jesus is painting a picture that is very common, that was very common to them, his hearers. They understood what he was saying. He was saying that as long as Jesus is in the midst of them, there ought to be celebration, not mourning. And really what Jesus was saying, and he was saying that, but, but even beyond that, Jesus was saying, as long as you have me with you, you've got joy. Not just joy, you've got unfettered joy. You've got joy that is unchained to your circumstances. You may have difficult days and you might have despairing seasons and you might have chaotic moments, but Jesus gives us a joy that that sinks down into our soul and bubbles up and overflows that is unchained to those circumstances or those moments or those days. He gives us a joy that is beyond those things. Jesus said in John chapter 15, he said, these things I've I've spoken to you so that my joy might remain in you and your joy might be full. That's overflowing. That's bubbling up and bursting out. The joy that we get from walking with Jesus is the joy of The living, rescuing God of all who is perfect in love and mercy and grace, taking the time to spend with us, willing to walk with us every second of every moment of every day, navigating with us through the ups and the downs and the highs and the lows and the wides and the skinnies, leading us moment by moment so that we have him on our side and we know it. And when we call, 
he always picks up the phone to answer. And just hearing his voice gives us joy. He gives us joy because he is doing a, 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 this, this wondrous, um, unmatched, un, uneven, uh, even unimagined thing in the world. When Jesus started talking about the cloth and the uh, garment and the wine and the wineskins, he, he, he was talking about what he was doing compared to this empty ritualistic religious exercise that has no substance, has all show, that is not connected to the grace and the purpose of God, but is connected to what I can do in my own strength. He was talking to the Pharisees. He was talking to John the Baptist followers. And he was saying, now's the time for you to recognize that God has done a new thing in the person of Jesus. And he has brought grace to town to forgive your sin, to make you right with himself through Christ's own death on the cross, uh, to to give us a, a reason for hope and victory and celebration through his resurrection from the dead. Jesus, Jesus has done a new thing. And you can't patch something new like that onto an old thing. It won't work. It'll bust it wide open. And Jesus was saying he was about to bust everything. What burst? He was about to burst. Sorry. My mama would not be happy me saying bust. But that's what it was. It just bust wide open. He was about to bust everything wide open because... He was saying, hey, it's not, about the, it's not about the religious exercises you go through. It, it's, not, it's, not about, it's not about being a good church member or a good church goer. It's about having a relationship with Jesus. Fellowship with Jesus delivers unfettered joy. Unfettered joy. Now, you are here today, and and I can guarantee you, and I hear it, and I hear it, and I hear it. You'll come and you'll say, but Eric, you don't know what kind of trauma and tragedy I've been in. I've experienced great difficulty in my life. you, You don't understand how unfair certain circumstances have been in my world. You don't understand how bad it's been for me. Eric, you just don't understand. How, how can I find joy when I've had such tragedy? How can I find joy when there's been such inequities? How can I find joy when nobody understands me? Everybody hates me and I think I'm going to go eat some worms. How can I have joy? I'm, I'm telling you, the answer is still the same. Walk hand in hand with Jesus. My days get tough, just like yours, right? I mean, my days get tough. I be in the middle of a work day, man. I just want to scream. I just want. I just want to yell. Not that I ever would. I, I mean, I, I get. I get at the end of it. I mean, I just. I. I need some relief. I. I need some joy. You know, all I have to do is pick up the phone. I call my wife. Hey, baby, how you doing? And she, I don't tell her anything that's going on. I just need to hear her voice. And when I hear her voice, joy comes back. 
And if it works like that in an imperfect, frail relationship, how much more does it work in relationship with the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Friends, the reason we lack joy in life is because we're not living and growing in fellowship with Jesus Christ. The reason so many of us are so miserable all the time is because we're not living and growing in fellowship with Jesus Christ. On a scale of 1 to 10, let's just take it back. A scale of 1 to 10. 1 being, I never spend time with Jesus. I don't talk to him. I don't listen to him. I don't even know his presence in my life. I'm a believer, but it doesn't feel like it. That's a 1. 10. Heaven. On a scale of 1 to 10, where are you in your fellowship with Jesus? See, some of us, some of us are at a 2. And some of us are at a 4. Maybe it's been going really well and you're at a 6 or a 7. But friends, if you want more joy in your life, you need to get better in fellowship with Jesus. Got to grow in that. The more Jesus, the more joy. The more Jesus, the more joy. Here Jesus is today. And he's waiting. And he's available. And he's ready. And I know many of us want a formula. How do I grow in my fellowship with Jesus? Can I just start with one simple thing? One simple truth that will help you grow in your fellowship with Jesus. Get rid of your stinking sin. Every day, radically, ruthlessly, confess and repent your sin. Don't make it any more complicated than that. You want to know what blocks your relationship, your fellowship with Jesus? It's your sin. I know, I know, I know. Things. You know, it's not your circumstances that block your, your, your fellowship with Jesus. If anything, if you have a healthy fellowship with Jesus and you go through tough times, you go through a dark valley, your fellowship with Jesus grow even tighter. You know, footprints in the sand and all. Right? And so it, it's, not your, it's, not your, uh, it's not your circumstances that are going to create uh, a, a blockage or a hindrance in your fellowship with Jesus. It's your sin. Some of us are so prideful, we think our sin doesn't matter. I think we can act any way we want to act and believe in it, you know, go anywhere and do anything. It doesn't matter what Jesus wants. Jesus, Jesus isn't here to fix my life. He isn't here to, Jesus is here to keep me from hell, and that's about it. So I'm going to do my own thing, and that's about it. So just, Jesus, you just hush up. And we like to play the game like we're all, just like the Pharisees did. I mean, just like the Pharisees did, and you, would, you wouldn't want to be called a Pharisee, but that's exactly what you're acting like. Acting like a Pharisee. I've got things going my way. I don't want Jesus to interrupt what I got going on. I'm doing life my way. I'm grown up enough to do life my way. So Jesus just hush up and let me live. And we wonder why we're empty and incomplete and lack satisfaction and just have no joy. 
It's because of our sin. Our rebellion, our pride. So, so here's the way to do it. You want to know what fasting is all about? Fasting is all about being broken over your sin. It's not about going through a program. It's not about reading a book and saying, oh, I read that book, so I'm going to do a 30-day fast. It's not about a diet. Fasting is about being broken before a holy God and begging for him to do something awesome in your world and in your life. Look. Jesus came so that we would sing and so that we would dance this side of heaven. Every single day there would be, uh, uh, give me a dance. What's a really good dance? Uh, There would be a hokey pokey in your soul. (laughs) I like that. I'll use that next hour. Uh, I I mean, you're not here so that you can be a miserable wretch. Jesus saved you so that you could be filled with his presence. He's he's ready to walk with you. Will you stretch out your hand and take hold of Christ's hands and let go your sin and grow in your fellowship with Jesus? Yeah, I really want it to keep, I I really, really desperately want us to keep it as simple as possible. Okay? If you, want to be, if, you, if you want joy in your life, you need a closer fellowship with Jesus. The more Jesus, the more joy. The way you get more Jesus is that you deal regularly, radically, and ruthlessly with your sin. I mean, you cut it off every single time it emerges. You know, and it's like that gopher game at, the, at, at, at Chuck E. Cheese's. Sin is. Y'all know the gopher game at Chuck E. Cheese's? You have, a little, you have a little mallet in your hand, and the goal is to pop these little gophers as they pop up out of the... They have they're like, 20, like 20 of these holes, and these gophers will just pop up and then go back, pop up and go back. And your goal is to pop those things on the head when they get out of their hole. And if you pop them on the head when they come out of their hole, you get some points. Oh, that's the way our sin is. Our sin pops up. We need to pop it on the head and it'll go down in the hole, but it's going to pop up again, pound it on the head again, and and it'll go down in the hole, pop up again, pound it one more time, and it'll go down again. And pretty soon, that gopher's going to realize every time it pokes its head out, you're going to pop it in the head. And it may even shut up after a while. We got to deal with sin. You know how we pop our sin in the head? Is we acknowledge that we have sinned. We confess it before loving, living Lord Jesus. We ask for his forgiveness. We ask for his mercy. We ask for his strength. We turn from that sin. We let it go. And if we confess our sins, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, Jesus is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Pop that gopher on the head. And the more we deal with our sin, the closer in fellowship we'll be with Jesus. And the closer we are in fellowship with Jesus, the more joy we have in this life. So right now, here's what we're going to do. I want everybody to take a piece of paper, find a piece of paper somewhere. Everyone take one. 
Everyone take one, everyone take one. On a scale of one to 10, you hopefully were thinking about where you were in your fellowship with Jesus. Scale of one to 10. One being Jesus is dead to me. 10 being I'm in heaven. And I see Jesus all the time. We're hanging out. He's talking to me. I'm talking to him. We're singing. We're playing badminton together. Jesus is my fishing buddy, right? So scale of one to 10, where are you? Are you, are you in heaven? Nobody put 10. Um, are you one? Some of you may be. So look at where you are on a scale of one to 10. And then on that piece of paper, write down where you are. I'm at a three. I'm at a six. I'm I'm at a one. I may not be at a one, but I'm at a two. So right now, just take that moment, take this moment, and you write down where you are on that scale of one to ten. That's also a number that reflects how joyful you are. A one is I have no joy. A 10, I have perfect joy. So whatever number you wrote down in your fellowship with Jesus, if it's a three, then you have a joy factor of three. If it's a six, you have a joy factor of six. So here's the question. How can you grow in your fellowship with Jesus? How can you increase your joy factor. Well, we're just going to do one thing. That's all. Just one thing. Next few minutes, I'm going to ask you to think about your sin and your sins. Let, let me just ask this. How, how many of you have ever sinned? Raise your hand. I, just keep your hands up because I'm waiting for everybody to raise their hand. <laughs> all right. Thank you. How many of y'all have sinned today? Thank you. How many of you, like me, have sinned in the last 20 minutes? Yeah. See, we've got sin to deal with. Please, please, don't, don't be like a Pharisee and pretend like you're so super spiritual. That doesn't do you any good. Doesn't do us any good. Doesn't do God any good. You got sin. Deal with the sin. Grow in fellowship with Jesus and grow in joy. So uh, as we move to the time of commitment and invitation, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray. And then after we pray, then you're just going to sit there and you're going to talk to Jesus about your sins. And you're going to write those sins down. Or I encourage you to. I can't control what you do, but I would encourage you to write those sins down. What are the sins in your life? What are they? Write them down. Name them one by one. And then there'll be some of those sins that are what is old timers called besetting sins. You know what besetting sins are? Those are the sins that hang on and don't seem to ever go away. Circle those, be, be, those, those hanging on sins. Circle those sins. And then talk to Jesus about those sins. Confess those as sins. Turn from them. You 
walk through that journey of dealing with those sins, I promise you, your joy factor will grow because you have unhindered your fellowship with Christ. Maybe as you finish that list, maybe you just want to come and lay them at the altar like, the, like others have done. Just lay them here. Say, Jesus, I give them to you. These are my sins. I lay them at your feet. You've died on a cross for them. You've forgiven me. I confess them. I receive your forgiveness and I turn from them. Jesus, they belong to you. Maybe you need to hold on to the list and put it in a place in your Bible, your hip pocket. Hold on to it and consider regularly. These are the sins that I listed on that day. And then tomorrow, wake up, you list a whole set of sins. You know, I do my sin list about every Well, I do it on the 50th minute of every hour. It's not a joke. It's true. On the 50th minute of every hour, I do my sin list. I I realize that I should be a little bit better. And and some days, it, it seems like I don't have much to talk about in that 50 minutes. But I also realize that if I waited two hours... It'd just be way too many sins to talk about. You want to know why I do that? Because I want to hear Jesus speak to me. I need his voice. Today, will you deal with your sin? Walk closely with Jesus. And find the hokey pokey dancing in your soul.